What's up, everybody? Welcome to week episode, whatever you want to call it, number six of the after show, a little project we're doing here to kind of follow up our teachings from this amazing series we've been doing. It's just been amazing. I know it's been blowing your minds. You're just like, this is the greatest series I've ever been a part of in church called Faith for Exiles. It's a book by a guy named David Kinnaman and another guy named Mark Matlock. And they've taken some stuff from Barna Research Group and helped us talk about discipleship here in Canada. And we've been doing this midweek show. Here we are. It's presented by Poster Poster. We have a sponsor. We have plants in the back. We have smiling faces around the horn. How's everybody doing? You guys doing okay? Okay. Looking good. Everybody's looking good. Like summer, you know, is in full swing. Anybody sad that summer is like winding? kind of winding down now like we're into august we're not even halfway we're not even halfway through well yeah, it's, it's, it's first week of august i mean it is what it is we have we have nfl training camps going which is good and sports and not, not a lot of people care but it's all good hey <laughs> hey tell me this tell me this besides um you know we've talked about all sorts of fun stuff over the weeks between herman me granger hermani how do you say it kev Hermione. Hermione Granger, man, every time I screwed up to, um, you know, lions devouring stuff. Um, tell me this. Yeah, go. Yeah, Kendra. I actually have a question for you, Drew, for mm-hmm. the caller. Because um, <laughs> you talked about you talked about sleepwalking. Okay. And it just occurred to me just before we started recording that, like, do you ever, like, use... I have a reason for asking this, okay? okay. No, I love it. Do you ever like use the washroom in your sleep like while you're sleepwalking okay so i haven't i sleepwalk frequently okay. but i'm almost like yeah. i i'm almost in a daze now I, I sh- i've shared recently um I, yeah. I when i sleepwalk i get into a daze and i'm partly i partly come awake as i'm doing it and heather argues with me she will say drew you're sleeping and i'll argue back no i'm not and then i come to and then we argue. She's like, dude, you're sleeping. No, I'm not. So no, I haven't. But I got a good story about my brother when he was younger. So when we were little, we lived in a house where Mike and I, our room was across the hall from our TV room. And one night at, uh, like he was like five or something. One night my parents were watching TV in the TV room. In between those two rooms was the bathroom. And Mike woke up, walked by the bathroom, went into the TV room, flipped up the lid of the toy box and just went pee right in the toy box, <laughs> which is amazing. Oh, so Mike, no. Mike, if you're watching, I've not gone to the level of like, you know, going to yeah. the bathroom yeah. in, in my, in my sleepwalking, but he's done it before, which is terribly embarrassing. And That's there's a story hilarious. for the world to know, you know, our, our huge listenership, know, you can right? just, yeah. you can just well, the reason, at him. I have a reason for asking Drew, which is that, yeah. um, I recently woke up, uh, and in the morning there, <laughs> the whole story, and in the morning there was a bat in my toilet. What? Yeah, yeah. and, and it's like a frequent, frequent thing that happens. I found out, and the the PSA is to like turn on the light in the bathroom before okay. before you sit down, because there could be a bat in your toilet. Like, that is terrifying. Hundred percent, I kid you. What do you mean? What why, do you mean it's why frequent? Why would you say that? Wait, why do you mean? What do you mean by it's frequent? It's frequent in Wortley. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> no, I, I need to know now. Is it frequent? In, are they saying is it frequent in Wortley or is this like everywhere? 
I'm a scaredy cat, so I had to get somebody else to get the bat out for oh me. Oh my gosh, I would be. It was like in your toilet? It was in my toilet. Because when its wings get wet, it can't fly. <laughs> so they get, they <laughs> fall in. Oh my. And they get stuck, which is terrifying. Yes. Terrifying. I mean, but I the guy who came being stuck. I know. Like in guy. one spot. Because well, I mean, it's not the... that it's flying and then it's harder to catch. But when you said yeah. you had to get somebody to take it out, why didn't you just flush it? Because it was alive. Oh, and so wow. I was afraid of it being like, mm. and then like plugging wow. everything out. You have way so more of a heart than I would have. The first thing I would have done, man, I'm just going to go out there and I, you know, it is. My heart I would... was like beating out of my chest. But oh. the guy who came to like get it out, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was a bat in my toilet. Like, why aren't we freaking out about this? And he was like, oh, it happens all the time. What? <laughs> They fall in, he said. That is insane. You uh, go I am never going to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom now. I'm She's just going to pee the Do it. it. Do it, but do a, do a quick, do a quick I'm, sweep. I'm never pooping again. <laughs> I was like, if I had to get rabies shots in my butt, I would never, I, I would need to use like, like, like a pee bag all the time. Like, yeah. I would it's never. Just a colostomy bag. You just go for yes, it. Yes, thank you. That's what it's like, called. Forget I was like, it. Never, forget it. never have, never sitting down again. If only you could be like JoJo, who just goes wherever. He don't worry about a toilet. Just, just go wherever. <laughs> or Mike, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike. Mike too, yeah. <laughs> going, going back to the uh, the sleepwalking thing. I don't know. On Netflix, there's like this comedy special by a guy like by name Mike Birbiglia. Okay. Um, he has a really bad case of sleepwalking to the point where, like, he'll injure himself. Oh! So, apparently, what he what he has to do is there's like a is it like a sleep sack or yeah. it's basically what it is? It's like a hems him um, in. Well, yeah, it exactly. So it just his arms as well. So it just zips him in, but it goes around the whole bed. So it's almost like a sheet that goes around the bed, yes. but it, it's just his head. So apparently he was saying the reason it got so – like he has to sleep by himself. Like he can't sleep with his wife. He has to – like he's just a danger. What? I guess one time he was at a – one time he was at a hotel and he threw himself through a hotel window and sliced his leg while he was sleeping. I'm like wow. that's crazy. Sleepwalking can get pretty crazy for people. Yeah. That is intense. I've always had like certain worries that, you know, but I, I've, I'm always – my sleepwalking is always like like I said it's always kind of there like kind of alert kind of it's hard it's really hard to explain like um, Hmm. I'll get like if I have something on my mind I'll get overly worried so like I was I had something on my mind maybe six weeks ago and I kept looking out the window and like the lions it was it wasn't lions that night but it was like I was looking out the blinds (laughs) like head they're there Drew, go back to sleep. You're sleeping. No, no, like, so I'm partly, like, talking to her, oh knowing gosh. I'm talking to her, but it's like, Heather, there, Drew, go back to sleep. You're sleepwalking. No, 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 but seriously, I think they're out there. So I'm like, there's some cognition. It's weird. Anyways, oh I've always gosh. worried about, like, what do you do if you're, like, walking, you get in a car somewhere, or you, like, you walk downtown, or <laughs> something like that. I <laughs> Crazy. I don't, I don't sleepwalk, and... A few times, what happens to me is uh, I'm like super, super tired, and I'm laying and I'm sleeping. And, uh, and if you wake me from the deep sleep, beware because yeah. <laughs> there's something in me that just rages. And, and it's, 
I wake up screaming and no. Oh man. He jumped out of bed and I mean I, <laughs> I want to see this. That's funny. I want to see it. I want to oh see it God. sometime. I, um, Get a video I going. I don't realize I'm doing that in, in the moment. Yeah. But it's so vivid that I remember like almost every second of it. So funny. <laughs> Humans are amazing. That's all I got to yeah. say. That's all I got to say. Anyways, you're watching uh, The After Show, episode six, presented by Poster Poster. Great to have you here. All right, let's talk about this. Worst job you've ever had. <laughs> Do we have some bad jobs around the horn here? Worst. Yeah. <sighs> Try selling credit card insurance yeah. okay for, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you got you can do there yeah about a year or so okay and is this yeah, in london pardon me was this in london this is in london. yeah yeah when, yeah my okay first jo- uh, one of my first jobs uh, yeah here in canada yep nice credit card insurance nice BBI. and any others got, got got some good ones or what bad jobs dirty jobs that's a show isn't it yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too. terrible. I was a nanny for a summer to a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Six okay. And it was a little hard. A little yeah. hard. Didn't love it. But yeah. not terrible. Just yeah, not great. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very young. Hmm. Kendra, any bad jobs? I've had great jobs, but some bad experiences in those jobs. I feel okay. like that's like more common. Yeah. I In university, I cooked for a family. Okay. Like, I, it was like an ad on Kijiji. I've got some weird jobs off Kijiji. Nice. Mostly playing piano for like weddings and like weird events. Those yeah. are awesome. Okay. But this one was like they were looking for a university student to cook for their family on weekdays. And this family was just kind of nuts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like you went into well, their house. Nuts? The person who answered the ad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but I'm like, we all know that I'm nuts, right? Like... <laughs> But hold on. I so was like, like you're co- I'm not a chef, but I can cook what my mama taught me. <laughs> so you're cooking and what ha- like so you go into their house, are they there? Yeah. Like they're there when you're cooking. Yeah. That's yeah, a little weird. Well, sometimes yeah. I knew where the key was, so I would just go at some point during the day. And they weren't like it wasn't even an extravagant house or anything. They just were super lazy. Hmm. And so they hired me to cook for them. There you go. Interesting. <laughs> well, now now we know. Now we know. I'm not even that great. (laughs) (laughs) Any other bad jobs? Any uh, horrible jobs? No? I, uh, Um, I, Kev, I work for, uh, so when I, yeah, go ahead, Kev. No, I mean, um, I've worked in some, some brutal kitchens. Um, Yeah, yeah. That sucked. Um, but outside of that, I mean, nothing too bad. I mean, I've done like farm chores and stuff, and that's horrible. Like yep. shoveling horse manure and stuff, which I'll never do again in my life. But um, I guess if you're talking about like bad jobs, that was a so, pretty bad job. That was a, just one time, but that that's was a pretty, poopy job. Eh? That was a pretty pretty crappy job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> love it. So so Nicole, uh, I don't, I can't believe you haven't said anything about this. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a maybe it wasn't the worst job for you, but she worked in the M M&M, and M uh, chocolate factory. Oh yeah, that's right. And uh, where she uh, packed M and M's, I think. Packed all kinds of chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's terrible. That's great. Yeah, and 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 so and I would work night shifts. 
I did. I wasn't a fan. You literally stand there and you watch conveyor belts of chocolates going by. Because what you're doing oh. is you're doing quality assessment. <laughs> so you're just literally standing there watching Twix bars go by and making oh. two Twix bars as they go. Like Oh, man. <laughs> is it the kind of thing that you, like, hate chocolate afterward, though? Like, you've seen too much? No. no. Okay. okay. Yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> That's what makes yeah. it the worst. Yes, and you know what may, why maybe I didn't think it was the worst? Because actually you're allowed to eat as much chocolate as you want on show. Oh, man. So you That's what I was going to say. That would be the hard part. Yeah. And be pulling Twix bars off the conveyor belt. You're filling, you know the M&M so, bag? You know bags of M&Ms that you get? I do. Okay, so you know how people measure, oh, this one feels heavier than that one. Oh, it totally is. People like me work there who would be like standing there waiting for it to fill and you're supposed to pull the lever to make the bag close and be like, oh shoot, too long. <laughs> That's amazing. My, yeah, my shift, there'd be a lot of Twix bars missing. So where was that, in the States? Yeah, I was in yeah. the States, down south in Tennessee. That's a, that's a, that's an amazing job. That is an amazing yeah. job. I, I guess it was. I, I thought she hated it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so in Australia, I lived in Australia for a year, and I had to. I was working while I was there, so I worked in. Uh, I did telemarketing for a roller shutter company, yeah. which was fantastic. But by the end, because I was a part of this Bible college, like leadership college thing, and it was all like students from that that ended up at this. Uh, place and by the end a couple friends would laugh at this so hard by the end we had just given like by by the end of the year and I knew I was leaving we just kind of like tapped out and so and I don't suggest this work hard to the end okay the moral of the story is work hard to the end but we just didn't do that and so we would call people and if you knew it was like an elderly person whatever we would say hey do you want to buy some and I would try and say it quickly and we'd like like dare each other to say roller pooper but not pooper roller crapper but the real word just we'll just keep it you know pg here would you like to buy a roller crapper but you, know, you get what i'm saying the other word we instead of shutter another word you know yeah, yeah we yeah. got no we got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um anyways so yeah which is always a big oh. i sold a lot of roller crappers in the end there it was great yeah anyways yeah Kathy, go. No, I, I just remembered. Um, I've done like random, like literally just one shift at oh, several jobs. Nice. Um, and like something else came up or I decided it was not for me. But I've done it like at one shoe store. Yeah. Um, Danny Leather, literally just one shift. And then another one, um, I packed uh, freezer meals, but we were working inside a freezer. And like Whoa. I did four hours and I was like, no, Tap I out. can't. <laughs> You like, went home for lunch and didn't go back. <laughs> went home for um, lunch. That is so funny. That wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> That's great. No one told me that when we started Poster Poster that you'd flake. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a year, so. She's... Okay, good. Longer than that. If you just see Kendra, all, or if you just see Kathy all of a sudden just walking away, you're like, oh, yep, freezer girl <laughs> right there. Job. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. So funny. Um, I remember a job that Drew used to have. And I, I'm not afraid to say because the company is now bankrupt. For sure. You used to work at Max. I did work at Max. I did. Yeah. Sold What's some next? suits. Oh, it was like, like uh, like kind of like Banana, company, Re- yeah. Banana Republic kind of deal, like suits and uh, maybe not Banana Republic. It, yeah. <laughs> it was like suits and like more either high cool. casual or dressy clothes. Yeah. So I did. I worked there. Yeah. 
just grinding away, ago, yeah. selling suits. Yeah. You know, it's all good. <laughs> uh, this week, uh, the practice is work and vocation. And man, if you have been a part of the City View Praxis story, we have talked about work a lot the last decade. Um, I love this. It's no surprise that we are over the next few minutes going to talk about work and vocation. And there's going to be no surprise that we are going to obliterate this idea that work should be disconnected or bad or not worship. Um, just to get it out of the bag right away, we like fundamentally as a community have talked for years that actually the prime, one of the primary places of worship for us is our work. And you know, there's challenges with that. And some of even the jokes we give about certain jobs and different things, um, and so I, I think this will be just, a, I've really appreciated just the dialogue and discussion with you guys and, uh, hearing, um, just over these principles and practices. It's been really great to put the church in the people's hands and hear from you guys. What do you think? Work, vocation, um, worship. Are these, do you think these things are connected? What do you think, uh, even about some of the things that you read as far as the data showing that, people who are fulfilled in their jobs that's actually a big part of being a resilient disciple and, and living that out did that would did that surprise you or did that was that like a like oh yeah we know this type of deal what do you think jump jumping at <laughs> once <laughs> well let me put it like this in in the teaching on sunday we talked about we just basically gave after all the data and showing that you know um the church needs to release people to work that was the big idea in the chapter there was three major assumptions that we kind of made from both the chapter and our idea of work and worship at praxis and one of them is what you do is deeply integrated with who you are i think we need to so you do you guys hear this people will say well um it's what's important is who you are, not what you do. Do you buy that? Because I, I hear that and I kind of understand it. But then there's part of me that's like, I'm not sure how this, that, that's how that works. Do you know what I'm saying? People will say, I, it's about who you are. It's not about what you do. And I'm, I'm kind of like, can you disconnect those two things? I yeah. like to say that I am more than the job that I do. Ooh, Kendra. I'm telling I, you, straight fire every week. <laughs> say it again. Say, say it again for our listeners Because I never talk to anyone else. Um, <laughs> it, I like to say that I'm more than the job that I do or the work that Love I do. That. Yep. Right? So it's not like, it's just that my whole identity can't be my work. For sure. There's a danger there, 100%. You know? Yeah. And there's even like a reality just like logistically to that becoming your, your entire life. Um, but that it does play a big part in who I am. And I have the privilege, I would say too, as an educated person um, of, of choosing a job that is like my personal brand yep. <laughs> that, that I quite like and enjoy. And I don't think everybody gets that necessarily, even though everybody can enjoy their job. And we'll talk, we talked about that in sun, on Sunday in the teaching that um, Paul is very clear, you gotta provide for your family like um you got to you've got to work hard this is actually a theme in the new testament and sometimes that work can be crappy no pun intended with the roller poopers um but that sometimes doesn't maybe intersect with vocation vocation we talked on sunday and they talk in the book is a calling 
Sometimes for people, those two things, they get paid for their vocation. I think in the reality of the fall, and again, if you want to listen back, if you this is all new to you and you're listening into this, listen to Sunday's teaching. We talk about how sometimes those things intersect, sometimes they don't. Sometimes our work we don't feel like is as much as our calling. And we've, we've always said as a church, try and work towards, if you can, work towards that. And sometimes that means not making as much money as you'd like because of doing what you feel called to. Vocation is this calling. It's just interesting around, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, Kendra. I think actually, though, the danger within the church is we don't value our work enough. You know, I think the danger, and maybe I hate to call it this, but the secular world is people, money, status, are working, working, working. But sometimes in the church, we, again, say things like, um, what I do is not who I am. Any other thoughts? Like Any, any other thoughts? Because I think Kendra did a great job. There. It's funny you mentioned that point, Kendra, because um, I uh, had it uh, in my mind just before you uh, spoke about this, but uh, I've always thought it interesting that one of the first things that when you meet somebody for the first time, one of the first things that they ask you is, what is it that you do? Uh, that's one of the first things they ask you after asking uh, you for their, for your name. You know, what's your name? Or, and then almost immediately what follows is, what is it that you do? Um, so there's almost this connection in people's minds um, about who you are and what it is that you do. I actually think that, you know, like Kendra, to Kendra's point, that, that you're, you're more than that. Um, and I used to hate that question when, when I was asked it because it was like, okay, like, I think it's a little bit superficial. And, uh, you, you know, I'm more than just whatever I do for my day job. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about something else. And, uh, yeah. you know, some people legitimately, some people I've worked uh, with do not like to talk about work, like in social settings. Yeah. Like you hang out with them, they're like, no, we're not talking about work. Work is a, it's a rule, actually. Some of my yeah. former colleagues, they're like, no, it's a rule. We don't talk about work. Yeah. While we're hanging out. So, so it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, for some people, uh, you know, it's out of bounds. Yeah, know, more than that. But I think there's also the reality that some people do love what they do, and uh, it's a big part of who they are. And uh, we spend most of our waking time um, at work. Mm -hmm. um, our livelihood, so to speak, work is our livelihood, so to speak. But it certainly doesn't, uh, I don't think, for the most part, make who we are. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm in the middle in the sense, um, I, and I love the the feedback. My concern would be is like a downplaying of work, like in the Christian worldview or the Jesus following worldview, that it being our worship. And I I think we've got to also lean into the Genesis story, which we don't have time for here, obviously, but the primary form of worship for proto-human, Adam and Eve in the garden, was not going to church services to be really spiritual, though the churches, like gathering as a church is amazing, but was to fill the earth and to work 
to name, actually take responsibility to name the things around them and co-rule with God, we've, we can, my, my tension is, is we can lose that a bit. And we'll talk about work and vocation and the difference in a bit in, in a minute again, as I've said, like for some of us, we're in roles where we, f- we are being paid for our vocation and others of us are not. And again, I think part of that is because we live in a world that's broken. Part of what you see in the Genesis account as well is that, um, you know, the, it, through the curse, there's toil and, and tears and blood and sweat in work. Now, what was beautiful is not that it's not beautiful anymore. It's just, there's just toil with it. My concern a little bit sometimes is what people want to disconnect from that a bit. You know, it was interesting uh, a few years ago, a guy named John Beliveau, who was a wonderful Montreal Canadiens hockey player older guy had passed away and I was uh, driving around. This is when I used to listen to radio kind of before podcasting. And the guy on the radio in town here said, uh, John Velvo has passed away and he did a segment on the radio and people were calling in. And, he, and the guy on the radio said this, he said, you know what? Even if Jean Velvo wasn't this great Montreal Canadian, we would still know who he is because he's a fantastic guy and this and that. And I, I was kind of driving along going, no, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We, we probably wouldn't, just because John Beliveau is a nice guy, what we know him as is connected to his life's work, which was an athlete. I think actually we got to stop apologizing for that. That's who he was designed to be, and that's kind of why uh, we know him. And I, I think, um, yeah, I, I uh, what, what did you say again? To, to, to say it again, Kendra, as far as like the, uh, you brought good pers- perspective there again, as far as your work is not... I am more than the work that I do. I'm more than the work that I do. I like that because the work that we, it's not that the work that we do or our vocation right. is unimportant. It doesn't yeah, negate yeah, that. Yeah, I love, I love that. That is such a great, great perspective. All right, let's, so that was one point is just like what you do is deeply connected to who you are and we got to be careful to disconnect that. The second kind of uh, theme that we talked about was that the sacred secular divide so this idea that some things are sacred and other things are secular, uh, that divide needs to be shattered into a bazillion pieces. So we're shaped in the West by Neoplatonism. So in that idea that the soul is good and the body is bad, I even had to confront this in my children this week. So it's great. They talk about heaven a lot. And Judah and Ava are getting it. In their language, they, like Judah said a few months ago, um, when heaven comes to earth, that's how he's talking about heaven. And I'm like, oh, uh, there's a lot of things screwed up in my life, but you're getting it. This is great. But Levi had these interesting, it was just yesterday, had these interesting ideas about going away to heaven, kind of like a more disembodied deal. That has, it's interesting because I, I was thinking as he was talking, like, I wonder where you got that from. But one of the things we talked about on Sunday is that like the spiritual churchy stuff often we view in the church is, is good and important, but everything else is kind of bad or we're just getting through. So we talked about how the, the problem in the Old Testament is there's really no word for spiritual that you have your life. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that? Like the secular, sec, uh, sorry, the sacred secular kind of divide. Do you see that at play where certain things are viewed as spiritual and other things are not? Um, yeah, and, and I think like kind of bringing it to vocation also specifically, um, and how this, this is sometimes I feel like really a conflict as well in, in, in you know, some of the vocations we choose to do yep. when it comes to how you integrate again, the secular 
with the sacred mm -hmm. in your workplace. Um, uh, for, for me personally, I've especially seen that even more so now in the work that I'm doing. So I just started a new job a couple months ago um, as an equity, diversity and inclusion specialist. And with all the anti-racism stuff going yeah. on, obviously this is, it's my work and it's my personal life and it's my, you know, it's, it's like my whole, all my worlds kind of collided all at once because it's, it's everything I do at work and then it's everything people are talking about outside of my work as well. And uh, what was interesting for me was navigating the way in which, um, as a Christian, I'm supposed to respond to some of these issues, some of these social justice mm -hmm. issues. Um, and it was it was a really, really interesting time, too, because um, in some cases I felt a little bit of um, a little bit of judgment because in my work as well, um, you know, uh, it, it's very like it's very foundational to social justice. And among social justice issues is the fact that I support LGBTQ2S plus. Mm -hmm. It, both in my work and in my personal conviction, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that that conflicts a lot with, um, uh, I would say, you know, some of my more conservative peers in the church who don't understand how you can actually intersect being a Christian and doing this work. Yeah. Right. Um, and for me, it, it was kind of a pretty simple thing, but I realized uh, kind of more recently how some people think that you actually can't mm -hmm. so essentially as a christian you can't really be working in social justice because you can't be fighting for the rights of certain people because in the you know um in the church it's viewed differently or you know you that's conflicting to your christian mm -hmm. beliefs how can you be both sure and so uh, you know kind of looking at the secular and sacred um it's kind of interesting because I can understand how maybe some Christians wouldn't be able to do this work in that way. Yeah. I feel I'm, I found a comfortable space of where I'm at to be able to do this work, to be able to bring them both in together. And for me, um, you know, uh, my conviction and, and, and kind of in the work I do, I, I don't see them conflicting. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. I interesting. Think I think, yeah, no. Um, one of the things, the the posture of the secular sacred thing i think for most folk is um getting people to see see what they're putting their hands to as spiritual as you know important and i think that's a big thing in this conversation that um sometimes people need help with you know what i'm saying like uh, you're, i think it's important it's interesting what you're talking about those two worlds colliding but i think for a lot of folk too they just need to hear the the worship component of of, of what we do and again the the knee again the the platonic idea was like the body is a prison to the soul so your body doesn't matter as much what you know it, there was this divide um and then you look at biblical Christianity and you're like, that actually is not the story that the, this idea of work and vocation is one that is very much viewed in Paul in the new Testament viewed this as one of the highest forms of worship and what you do with your hands or whatever, whatever you're doing. It's so that, that, you know, when we talk about 
things that oftentimes are just ingrained beliefs. I think that's one of them that kind of has been perpetuated from generation to generation in evangelicalism that could probably be pushed back on in a good way. Like, hey, your work actually, what you do matters. Anyone want to speak to like what, what you know, when it doesn't feel like your your job, like what you get paid to do is your vocation? Because I think we've, many of us have experienced that and or, or are experiencing that. Do you get what I mean by that? Like kind of the divide between like, man, vocation kind of being a calling, excuse me, a vocation being a calling, but sometimes it's like, I've got to, I've got to do the grind here of nine to five or whatever it is, or seven to seven to pay the bills to do, you know, to do as well what I love, which is outside of what I get paid for. Have we had these experiences? It like depends on what you mean by calling. Yeah. Like I think people define that differently. Go there, go there. That's a good point, Kendra. So I think it depends on how you define calling. Is your calling to just be a good worker, show up and, Mm -hmm. you know, look at the conveyor belt and make sure that, you know, everything is straight and then you pull the lever right on time for that (laughs) package to be filled up correctly, Uh, right? And because that's maybe the only interaction that you get with human beings. Yep. or is it your calling to, I don't know, maybe your, your job intersects with your personal life or maybe you have a lot of people contact. I think it just depends on the nature of your, your work. Uh, my work specifically is, um, is very project-based in terms of, um, you know, I work on technology projects, um, you know, I do work with some people and the products oftentimes is a product that we're working to try to implement and um you know the nature of it is limited to that i do have interactions with people but uh they're limited in terms of it's we're, we're just referring to you know the work that we're doing really and then there's little opportunity especially in this virtual space and you're going to see this more and more i think is as you go forward in the future, for instance, my work just announced that we're going to be uh, staying at home for the next, um, for at least the rest of the year and probably until sometime into next year as well. And looking at the future, 50% of our workforce is going to be work from home. So there's going to be a reduced interaction with people uh, with with the work that I do. So yeah, um, is it, where that is, I guess, my calling intersect with, uh, uh, I guess, with, with the work that I do. I don't know. Uh, but I think in, in that sense, for me, I'm called to do the best job that I can uh, to, I guess, represent Christ the best that I can. Yeah. What I do. And, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy my work. I enjoy the flexibility that I have, things like that. But I think it's just different for everybody. Sure. I think um, growing up in the church, I always pushed back on the idea of vocation. It was annoying to me because there was always those jobs that were kind of like holy, you know, like, are you called to be a pastor? Are you called to be a missionary? Are you called to be Mm -hmm. a pastor's wife? And I was like, no, I don't like you can have a job that is not one of those things. And it can still be done, you know, with integrity and as a good Christian. And I think that I mean, I don't like that term, good Christian, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And I don't think I was called to, 
you know, work in events, but I love it. Yeah. And I think that I'm using God-given talents. I don't think it's totally fulfilling. I don't know what else would be right now, but I think that they're, you know, I can, I, the way that I interact with my colleagues, um, the kind of events I put on, um, I can still live out my faith in what I do, I just don't, I don't know. I've always had an issue when it's like, are you called? And I'm yes. Like, no, I'm not called. Okay. But I'm doing it and I love it and I do it well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Um, uh, I'm glad you brought up the kind of the, what we view as ministry kind of stuff and the over glorification of that. So somebody asked me, somebody asked me, do you, do you, so please, somebody asked me, do you want your kids to be pastors? Somebody asked me the question. Do you want your kids to be pastors? Thanks, Kev. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know, you know what? I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm just being honest. Like, I'm just being completely honest. And it's not because it's a great calling or a, an amazing vocation. I say that because my jerk reaction right now is we have viewed certain things as holier than others. And I think if Heather was here too, we just, I, we don't buy into that as much as maybe w- not not even that we once did, but have kind of been in a culture where there's certain things that are better spiritually. And now on the other side, my so I have a son who's who is quite drawn to church and church life and music and just drawn to that the way he talks. And honestly, if he came and said, "Listen, like I want to do this with my life," we would obviously hundred percent. But I do think there's something with like 100% support him and or and if it was Ava too or who would whoever, but man, there's been something lost and so I, like I'm in a generation of line of uh, pastor dudes, which is amazing. I'm super thankful for that. But I also that's outside of that is not any less, you know. And so this has been a huge wrestling for us in the sense of. Um, it's almost, there's almost been seasons where I've, I've, I've very much gone the other way where you don't need to do this because everything you put your hands to is, is God's work and where he's leading you, which is absolutely true. So I almost have to come back the other way to be more open to it purely because I've tried to fight and almost rebel against some of the bad ideas of what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this is even not to make this about my story, but, um, this is even right down to the roots of like, we have decide, decided to stay in London. And pastors have been known, and this is great, this is fine. Pastors have been known to move a lot and go a lot of places and kind of in denominations, there's kind of a corporate ladder where you move around to kind of get up. And we've, I don't say this arrogantly, we've had a, a ton, you know, fantastic opportunities, but we just have said like, we're, we are staying in London, um, a, a city that we love, and a people that we love and how even in that frame, it's kind of pushed against this idea of, um, again, certain ministry positions being better than other things when it comes to spirituality, stuff like this is make sense. Are you following me? Like, I just feel like, um, trying to buck the trend in that sense. So I've always tried to think through my kids, um, just that, like the danger we can create where, uh, the pastor dude is better or whatever. You know, we can we can let these things creep in. And I think uh, good to add on to that, uh, growing up in, in a pastor's house, um, yeah. I think there's been a massive, a massive change in the idea of there's certain, 
I don't know, there's certain ages that a pastor, a certain pastor can be. Like a youth yeah. pastor can only be in the ages of 20 to 30. And then like a, a an associate pastor is between the ages of 30 and 40. <laughs> yeah. And then a senior pastor is 40 plus. And I think that, I think that changes um, and it should change um, that mindset in the sense of, I, I, think, I think somebody, depending on your maturity and relationship, I think you can be young and lead a church. Yep. I think you can be old and still lead um, younger people, middle-aged people. I, I don't think, and I think it has to do more with passion and mm-hmm. your just ability and, and you're good at it. You know, like I've known people that are, you know, in their 40s that do really good work when it comes to younger people. And that's not a mean, that thing hasn't been like you've aged yourself out. Now you're only responsible for people that your age or older. Yeah. To me, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, it could be wrong, but I mean, I just think that that's, that's gone and I don't think it should be a thing. Yeah. So good. I, I agree. I agree. And, um, again, going back, like sometimes, uh, like pastors, missionaries, whatever, will move a lot in different things. Um, uh, uh, it's just always the motive behind that of like trying to maybe climb a ladder. And it's interesting mm-hmm. when you posture yourself, you're like, you know what? Um, a people in a place, it, uh, it cha- it's, it's changed us a lot in just the way we view things for even our own family. Where I would say a number of years ago, be prestigious for your kids to follow in your footsteps. And if they want to do that, that's amazing. But sometimes, there, uh, not in my case, my parents were great, but like sometimes there can be a pressure in that sometimes that doesn't need to be and that's just the ministry side of things so trying to uh, get people to get our community to see whatever you're doing is is so important um the 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 third kind of takeaway was just our work matters and it's a theological statement because god is not throwing this world out and i think there's a devaluing and would love to maybe hear from you what you think about this a devaluing of work in the hands of christians because of a narrative that says God is throwing this world out. And um, that's just not true. That's not, well, we don't know everything about heaven, but we know Jesus is coming to set up shop here. Now, I have all sorts of ideas that we can get into at another time. But um, do you think this idea that like, you know, this this place is just going to explode and we're going to go somewhere else has affected the, the idea that we're actually called to steward and take the, the world forward, which is actually the call for humans in, in God's good world? It's a wordy question. But do you think that bad theology has now kind of messed up people's ideas of work in, in the present where we are? I'm just thinking back to the statistics that they give as well. Um, The fact that um, resilient disciples are the ones who are the most fulfilled in their work. Yeah. uh, Or tend to be the ones who are most fulfilled in their work. So, so, so I would, I would say no then, you know, for that reason. Okay. Um, So on the resilience. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah, There's really like just, you know, it kind of in thinking of that, like in that way, if the Christians who are the sort of the most, committed and um into their relationship uh to god are the ones who tend to who, who tend to say that they are fulfilled within their vocations then then it would lead me to think that maybe not that they are valuing the here and the now um simultaneously okay. um so for resilient you know? disciples is what you're saying yeah, yeah so yeah. i'm wondering if if, if, because then in the other direction, right, the, the nomads, um, 
and the others were the ones who who had less fulfillment in their vocations yeah. who, who said that they had less found less fulfillment in their vocations um so then do you know what i mean like yeah. I, I don't know i wonder if that is then the opposite yeah. rather that you know we as resilient christians or resilient disciples have found meaning here and are looking for like we have a hope of here Mm -hmm. to kind of fix the here and the now in what we're doing and through everything that we do. So therefore we, um, you know, we see it as not as, Oh, the world's going to whatever. So what does it matter? You know, yeah. I, I don't like my job. I'm just going to do whatever in my job. Like I, you know, I, I kind of see it as we are the ones who are kind of putting our everything into it and, and, and using every opportunity we can to, um, to glorify God in what we do. Yeah. 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 And but I and I 100% agree. I guess what I think about is I think about the other 90%, you know, if 10% are resilient disciples, I think of the other large majority and I wonder maybe what the root of some of this could be. Sometimes I wonder if it's bad theology, you know, like uh again, I think one of the things I think we even said it in the teaching is like the worst is is like sometimes with churches what we can do is, you know, you have like a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whoever, whatever kind of, wherever you work, you know, marketer or um, somebody works at TD or whatever, they come in to the church. And sometimes we can say, well, the sum of your life is to hand out a bulletin on Sundays. Like this, this is what the church, like, man, we've got something for you. And not that bullet, well, we don't have bulletins, but not that these kind of jobs don't need to be done in the church. We need people serving on every level. I think one of the tensions oftentimes is it just kind of ends at that. You have so many, like look around, not to pump you, you pump all your tires, but look at the incredible gifts, talents, abilities, even around this group. The church has to take a responsibility to say, go into the world and live. And this is a big part of your worship. It's important. And I think there's, a, I do think there is a, th like you're, what you're saying, Nicole, is so true. Like the resilient disciples get this. They, their expression is, I've been in environments where I begin to see that my work intersects, like faith and culture, my work, it all works together. But I would say that's not the, that's obviously not the majority. It's, uh, yeah, a lot of folk um, miss it. And I think part of it is sometimes the, the, the theology the church can tell, where it's like, we need to get people to heaven. And then you're like, well, this started in a garden and heaven is coming here. Jesus is going to usher heaven in here. And it just, you get the sense when you look at work and vocation in its totality that um, we're, we're, we're taking the world forward as we should be in the things that we do. Um, it is hard at times because um, you're probably listening, by the way, you're listening to episode six of the after show presented by Poster Poster. Some of you are probably listening and go, man, like I just, my job right now completely disconnects. It's hard work. It's not fulfilling. And it, uh, there is the reality of that. It's hard. And many of us have been there um, in, in places and spaces. One of the things I would say is, you know, as we are a foretaste of the kingdom, you know, the hope is, is that those things can overlap and that work can become vocation and uh, calling and working our ways towards that. There is, I'll say from personal experience, sometimes there's pain in that because 
maybe what I've, and I've talked to people like this, maybe what you're called to do, you make less money than what can seem like the meaningless job that will pay you well. And how many people like feel this tension, the meaningless job actually covers my bills and pays me well, but there's this thing I want to do. But I also think there's, there is beauty. You know, I was talking to my friend, uh, Mike, uh, a few weeks ago, he's a counselor here in town and he was just lit up just about his job like um and and being able to serve other people in that way i think of other people even our own church like i think of uh, kareen and dan these um uh, uh, they work in finance and just it's their life mission to help families or you guys know nate rundle nate is such a great guy shout out to nate um that guy is in a place and space in his life where his job what he gets paid for is really like a life calling and helping people and i even think of heaven you know i may have to edit this out because we made a kind of a blood oath that we wouldn't talk about her job very much just because of you know what it is and whatnot and um but like just even to see her thrive and like an environment of being able to help people like it's her life's mission to be able to help people she honestly i mean obviously money comes with work but like that's it's funny to watch somebody thrive in what they do and really money be the last thing that they even like for her seeing her just work for people and um just serve people and do what you love to do um it's there can be that and i just you know as an encouragement to to anybody that's listening um you may not feel like you're in a season like that, but I think, um, I think for some of us, as we look down the road, it could be. And I've always said to people, maybe that just means a life adjustment or whatever. But it's, uh, it's just this whole conversation is quite interesting. Any other thoughts about the chapter of the book? Disconnect? Do you feel like? What do you think? I don't know. No thoughts as I as I as I as I ramble on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, just to um, reiterate some of the points you made and some of the things that have been said here tonight, it's um, I, I, I think there's there's something to be said about defining what calling means, what yeah. means. I think at the end of the day, what, what what you're trying to do through work is to number one, I think, do the best that you can based on um, having the values that we get from the Bible and from Scripture and from what God has given us to do our jobs well. So yeah. I, I think that's, you know, no matter where you are, no matter what kind of work you do, I think just being able to implement those values, I think, is, is the, the first really sign. We're to look for signs of Christians in the workplace. Yeah, that would be it. You know, is to look mm-hmm. at those values that hundred percent workers. So I, I think no matter what you do for work, whether or not it intersects with your personal life or your faith, um, I think that's important. And then, uh, you know, obviously you have those people whose jobs intersect with their, uh, I guess, personal lives and faith and things like that. That's great. And some people work towards that but um, there's also I think a section of people that um, they do important work but it doesn't necessarily translate to I guess the traditional Christian view of vocation and that's quite okay as well mm-hmm. um, you know I think of myself for instance you know the work that I do I, 
I like it. I love it, actually. I, I always dreamed of working in this kind of environment that, that I'm doing right now. But that is not my, I feel like necessarily that's my vocation. Yeah. You outside of it, though, is what I feel like is my vocation right now. You know, coaching, mentoring, yep. a good young man. I feel like I don't get paid for it. But I feel like that's where I'm called to be. And, you know, there's no money exchange there, but yep. you know, that's, you know, that's where I feel like um, I make the most impact. And that is exactly what, that's the probably the best, one of the best examples. Yeah. And, and what I exactly kind of what we mean and what we're talking about um, there, it, it, just seeing in your life and there's others that, um, have a passion for something and it may not be able to support them financially right now, but that, that calling is, is, uh, is there. And that's what I mean. Um, I can't say the Parker from the teaching Parker Palmer, he's kind of a mystic Quaker. He t- talks about letting your life speak, letting your life lead you into vocation is uh, I think an important concept and idea. And uh, that may be what, again, we've, we're kind of, reiterating that may be what you are paid to do and it may not. Um, but I, I do think calling, um, the church needs to be a place that just propels people into their calling. And so as we think deeply about that, I think it's a, it's an important discussion for sure. And I appreciate the insight, uh, around here, you know, this, again, this idea of like, maybe not going too far the one way to say what I am and, and what I do is disconnected, you know, kind of this, this, thing that has emerged that a lot of people say, well, you know, it's about who I am, not what I do, but thinking deeper than I'm dividing those things, thinking theologically again about what God's doing in the world. All these things are important. And as a dialogue, I think that continues to need to be said and had uh, over, over the next number of years as we kind of grow into our jobs and vocations, especially as a young church too, where you have people all on all sorts of different levels. Yeah. Kendra, how's the plant doing? Give us an update before we go into, we leave the interwebs, I guess, is what we do. (laughs) Phil's doing great. Phil's just, just, just growing since the last time we asked, eh? (laughs) Minute by minute. Minute by minute. Love it. Well, seriously, we thank everybody for listening. I, um, I've always said, just listening back, if I was a part of a community, this is super helpful just to hear people who are on the ground, living real lives, who aren't in a bubble, being able to wrestle and discuss this stuff is so, I think, good. Thank you for joining us this coming Sunday. We have something special if you're listening the week of. Um, this release this coming Sunday if you want to join us we're hosting an event this Sunday evening August the 9th called Racism in the Church it's happening online on Zoom at 7pm we have a number of guests coming just to share around this idea of race and racism in the church and um, I'm just going to be I think a real learning time for us as we listen so you can register for that at mypraxis.church slash racism and the church that'll just get you the credentials to log in to that we hope you can join us there is no faith for exiles teaching or anything like that this Sunday it's going to just be that as we focus our time and our attention and I'm really excited to announce that in a couple weeks a few weeks time on August 23rd these guys I know I'm kind of helping 
helping lead some of the discussion. But these guys are going to lead our Sunday teaching. And we're going to take over. The after party is going to take over kind of our, our Sunday morning gathering as these guys are going to, us together, are going to kind of conclude um, Faith for Exiles. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to do one more release of the after show. It's going to take over on Sunday and it'll be kind of a final recap of all that we've talked about and all that we've wrestled through the five principles and the things that we're feeling and experiencing so we hope you can join us over the summer other than that enjoy your life friends hopefully you can go into the world guys i'm really just thankful for your input and i know we could go on hours talking about this but uh, our prayer is that as a community you would just go and live in the way of jesus and um yeah, I'm just really excited about the, the future days. So have an amazing week. We will talk to you soon. You can find this on anywhere you find a podcast as well as YouTube and Facebook. Tell your friends and tell them to listen. And I think this has been great. We'll talk to you soon. Au revoir, my friends. Peace. Give us other give us other buys in different languages. You're Vidurchi. Is that how you say it? Maxime. All right. Kev. Benvenu. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Kendra? Got aloha. one? Alo? What is what? Yeah, aloha is hi. It means hello and goodbye. Yeah, yeah, it, it means both. Yeah. Shalom. Love it. Peace. What's wrong with peace? Peace. Okay, I'm peace just saying it's not for goodbye. I love it. <laughs> peace, my friends. Have an amazing week. <laughs>